everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Pillow Talk with Mark and B, the podcast where we just talk. I'm B. I'm here with my husband, Mark. Hey, how's it going? Welcome, welcome. And uh, we're here with Robert. Yeah, Robert Wallace from Gays Against Groomers is here. And we're so, so excited. Hi, Robert. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm Thank excited you. to talk to you. Thank you so much for jumping on here and giving us the opportunity to ask you some questions that I'm sure everybody has been wondering. Absolutely. Maybe just give us a quick little rundown about what Gays Against Groomers is. I know I've seen it come up a whole bunch recently, and I've even seen, um, I don't think specifically you, but people from your organization on some podcasts before, and that's always very nice, very informative. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, so Gays Against Groomers is a coalition of LGBT people who are standing against the indoctrination, sexualization, and mutilation of children being done in the name of LGBTQIA plus inclusiveness. So uh, we specifically are watching what's happening among, in the gay agenda. So, um, so to be clear, uh, we, of course, don't support any kind of grooming. But we're specifically focused on what kind of grooming is being done in the name of gay acceptance. And that's where it's gotten really out of control. Sure. So in the schools, as you know, the, the books and, and the flags and the ideology and everywhere we look, and it's all being done because we need to you know, stop the discrimination of gay people, which is, uh, which is a, a misnomer. Uh, they're really talking about this wild trans community. The gays have never had it better. And what they're trying to do has nothing to do with protecting the rights of gay people, but of perverting and really just leading the youth astray in the name of gay rights. Very interesting. Yeah, like just uh, the whole concept of being gay, um, you know, it's it's sexual by nature. And are these conversations we want to be having with children, just like I don't even want to be having heterosexual conversations with children about sex, you know? Like there, there is a time and a place and even ages for appropriate conversations like that. So. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think the crazy thing is I think there was this bit on family guy a while back, maybe you saw it kind of goes around as a gif and it's uh Quagmire's dad who turned it transgender and he's like looking at porn at the bar and the bartender says, sir, you can't look at that here. And then, he goes, well, I'm, it's okay. I'm transgender. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, so yeah. It's yeah. kind of like this whole idea that nobody can police the transgender population because we're not transgender. So we can't possibly understand what it takes to be transgender, including and uh, and uh, and beyond whatever kind of early sexual education you transgender people need to give your transgender youth. And it's like this whole thing that we're not qualified to touch the subject. And yeah. it's just letting get away with murder, really. Yeah, I hear people say all the time, like, well, are you a biologist? And I'm like, well, no, I'm just a silly electrician, but I still kind of know some basic human anatomy, you know? Yeah. So have yeah, you, you don't been... Have... Sorry, go on. Oh, no, I was just saying you don't have to be an expert to, to know when things are out of line. Yeah, absolutely. So have you specifically been targeted by saying, like, because you're gay, you must be grooming or the other way around, like you had just kind of messaged where you can't talk about this because you're not trans. Well, uh, you know, the, the trans argument occasionally comes up uh, when we're dealing specifically on the trans target with kids. When dealing with all sexual perversion, yeah, I'm targeted as an individual for what uh, I do and not as heavily as some of the, the more well-known members of our group are targeted at certain times. Um, I myself, it's really just, you know, comments, a few, you know, nasty messages in the inbox, nothing uh, that, that gives me much pause. Um, yeah. I, you know, no death threats, for instance, for me yet. But, um, <laughs> but some people, yeah, there's a lot of people in our group, yeah, that are getting harassed like that. And yeah. um, Now, okay, so I kind of mentioned to you before we had done this that we grew up in the church. So we were taught that your lifestyle through and through is perversion. And I mean, I was even looking at something today and it was a pastor saying this is the perverted telling the perverted not to be perverted. What's your answer to that? What's your response to that? That's a great question. And I actually love that question because I grew up uh, pretty religious myself. 
And I study personally a side of GAG. We're apolitical. We're not a religious organization, but we all within the organization have our own life paths. Uh, mine in particular is just to kind of relate it with you guys is I grew up Catholic and I was Baptist and Pentecostal and I was a Seventh-day Adventist and I worked at Church of Scientology and I was uh, studied esotericism and Buddhism and I study everything. And uh, and my biggest part of my personal quest is figuring out where does gay fit into all that? Because when I was a kid, I thought I was going to go to hell because I was born to go to hell. Because there's one thing I knew is I couldn't get myself to find any anything attractive, sexually attractive about a woman. And so I thought, well, that means I was just born a dud, you know? And so uh, you go to different churches and, you know, and the reason part of that was, is because I'm thinking through the the spiritual so, and somewhat dogmatic lens in some, some places that this equals this, uh, being gay equals hell. And in my experience, since you're asking kind of a, a spiritual religious question, I'm gonna give you that kind of an answer back. Uh, is I think it's just as vital that uh, gay people uh, uh, hold themselves circumspectly and uh, it, just as much as straight people are expected to. I think, um, you know, the sexuality issue of what we're attracted, you know, it kind of reminds me of the whole uh, AA thing, you know, give me the knowledge of the, you know, to know what I can change and the courage and, and to the, know the difference between you know, if, if we could just make ourselves straight, we would have done that a long time ago. So there's some aspect to accepting. On the other hand, there's still the aspect of our behavior and the way we operate on a moral basis. You know, lusting and that sort of thing is wrong for straight and gay people. Um, so I don't think that we need to be so caught up in the fact that, yes, okay, there's gays who we don't agree with telling these other people uh, because the fact is, it's really on an individual basis. I don't yeah. see big spots, any one church all going to heaven. I don't see all straight sure. people going to heaven or all gay people going to hell. I yeah. think this is very much an individual by individual basis. And the only person who can really get in between that conversation, in between the person and their end destiny is God. Um, you know, it, except if you're judging within the church, which is like a, a biblical right of, you know, whatever doctrine you're part of. But uh, as far as, that goes, I totally respect that perspective. I don't need or think that we should, you know, we need to convert people into agreeing with us that being gay is the way or anything like that. Um, you know, I, you know, personally, like a lot of people, there's people that want to be tall and they're short and the world is better for tall people. There's some people who are women and they want to be men or some people who are gay and they want to be straight. The world really does kind of, ideally cater down the middle line to this majority but most people are on the fringes somewhere yeah. and you know we're not all like you know straight white male american this you know that seems to have you know when the fact of the matter is that's just all perspective you know because we can all arise from whatever field we're in uh so but uh yeah back to the question uh i can appreciate where people are coming from i think the biggest thing to remember though is we need to stay with our closest allies as much as possible. Yeah. So for instance, if I can stand with a, a, somebody on the uh, other side of the ideology uh, of every other ideology, except this one, we agree on this and we can come together on this issue. I can yeah. come together with a church that says, I might not agree with your lifestyle, but I agree with what you're saying. And for that point, we can team up for that. And then after that, we gotta go different ways. That's fine. We're only here for this particular issue. Um, but at the same time, um, I think the thing that really enters into this is this is a moral kind of conversation. And so when we got a world that's kind of gone its own way without a moral compass, you know, uh, then it kind of like it polarizes the moral minded, the morally minded people, which includes, you know, church and religious and spiritual people uh, from you know, groups that just want to, you know, live out their their deeper level of humanity, their lower instincts or passions, whatever they think that makes them human, since they don't really account for, you know, a moral world order, if you will. Um, and so I think, uh, yeah, I think I said enough about that. I like what you that? said about like, yeah, we got to make more of these instead of who do we hate? It's like, yeah, make these bridges of who we actually kind of get along with and agree with morally. Like, 
you know, we can both agree that, uh, you know, a murderer is worse than a thief, but that doesn't mean that thief can't, you know, help do away with the murderer, you know? And I'm not trying to make like comparisons like that because. But from the angle of a judgy church and Christians, and I'm like thinking of all of the family members that are going to listen to this, that like, it's interesting hearing that where it's just like, who cares what you believe in what I believe yeah. this grooming needs to be addressed and stopped. So why are we having this conversation when we could be having that conversation? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, again, I completely understand people who uh, are, you know, I grew up in going to many different kinds of churches and denominations, as I mentioned earlier. And that's kind of like across the board. It's kind of like, you know, the gay thing. And I remember when this started to like really like uh, 15 or so years ago when the discussion really started to become more mainstream. And I myself was identifying I kind of came out then I went back in I said oh no I'm asexual I don't have a sexual orientation no they just wasn't happy being gay and then later in then in that process like queer eye for the straight guy was coming out and the whole world was jumping on this bandwagon and turning gay at that point I was like I myself was not okay with being gay and then later on when I finally did come to terms with the fact that the situation is what it is and I just need to you know work within that the best I can then, you know, now I'm out here, but I'm a completely different type of person than the mainstream gay that's been developing. And yeah, it, it's almost kind of like a stereotypical gay, like, you know, you, you get the ones that, you know, put on the voice and stuff or, ha or painted their nails like you, you still look like you're a dude and you still look like I would never know. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a compliment or not. But like, it it's not this outlandish stylized version that you see nowadays, you know? Well, and I wanted to ask you about that too, because you were talking about morality. And to be honest, I mean, maybe I don't, maybe I'm just like, I'm talking to the wrong gays, I guess, but I've never heard of being gay in this context. We're like, no, no, you shouldn't lust. You shouldn't like, how do you feel about the whole naked? Let's, let's get naked and run around the city for a month. Like, how do you feel about that as far as morality and, and guidance and guiding the young generation? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's going to be kind of a boring answer because it's, it's just probably exactly the same as you. I don't feel these people are any more entitled to do what they're doing because they're gay than anybody could or, or, or really, or should. Uh, for whatever their self-identity thing is. So I think it's disgusting. It's annoying. Um, our organization, we're totally over the, the progress flag. You know, this idea that the this flag is now going to represent everybody, but essentially straight white males, right? We even have black and brown people. Now we're bringing- We got a couple of those flags. I, I think we got enough representation, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's become disgusting. It's become abhorrent. It's become annoying. It's become degrading. It's become perverted. It's become just all kinds of things. You know, this is there's political ideologies tied to this, and uh, and it has nothing to do with gay people just wanting to exist in spite of ourselves. Now we're dealing with people who are, and you know. To be fair, we, we do point out that the uh, transgender community, they have a mental disorder, according to the DSM-5, they have the body dysmorphia, uh, gender dysphoria con condition. And so they are actually like supplementing with these surgeries and things, trying to put a permanent solution to a temporary problem. On the other hand, I know there's a lot of people like you were just kind of open with who think that could think the exact same thing about the gays. The gays used to be also considered to be, you know, have a mental condition or whatever, you know. So aberrations aside i think the major the difference here is you got people who are really wanting to impose and this is really where we come in gag is they're wanting to bring this into kids' lives and it's enough it's bad enough that there's so many dark options for adults to grow into and who knows what path we'll take but it's our choice and our option that's the great thing about life is we can make mistakes or we can find our own good choice but when it comes to kids you're putting this in front of them, they're going to take it up as an option, they'll file it away in the back of their brain, it's going to grow like a seed. And eventually, you know, they might bear fruit, they might think, you know, what, Mom? I think I'm just a girl. And they might just go down this destructive little phase for a while, or it might yeah. take wings, and they might go for many years. And so it's important that we put sound ideas in front of kids. 
Yeah, and there's like a big difference between like if you introduce somebody to a gay person, then they might think they're gay for a year or two. And then, you know, they're going to figure out right away if they're not or or if they are. It's not like they do. You guys are doing surgeries to be gay. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not this permanent thing. Yeah. So, yeah, you could walk. Yeah, you could change your lifestyle from it if, you know, you're with the guy and you don't like it. Exactly. Once you cut off your your body parts and stuff, yeah, you gotta live with that. Absolutely. So on that note, because if you're born gay, I understand that in order to well, you shouldn't only just accept who you are. You should take pride in who you are. So I don't know very much about the pride flag and where it all came from, but if I were to assume, it would be to take pride in who you are, how you were born, and love yourself. But the trans movement kind of promotes this changing of the physical body and preventing, you know, your your hormones to do the things that they're supposed to do in order to become the adult you're supposed to be in the body that you were given. Do you believe that, like, and then that just goes to say that they weren't proud of who they are when they were born. They were ashamed of it. They wanted to change it. Do you agree that, or like, do you think that the T should be included in the LGBTQ thing? Is it LGBT, LGBTQ? Where do we stand on this? We just. Okay. So right now, the Alphabet Mafia is at LGBTQQIAA+. Or actually 2S LGBTQIAA+. But you get two tries to get gay, bisexual. <laughs> What's that? And you get two tries to get right. And if not, your kneecaps are done for. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets two tries. Uh, so. It's two spirit, so two S, LGBT, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, QQIAA plus is queer and questioning, I for intersex, A for asexual, A again for allies, plus, and then you can add your own new things. You know, the thing in queer, that's the funny one, is that queer has an umbrella of infinite number of things. So, <laughs> um, but back to your question, you, the first part of your question, the pride part. Personally, again, speaking based on like basic morals and virtues, not even from a religious place necessarily, um, pride is it's not a virtue. It's nothing to be uh, flaunting about. Pride is considered a sin, one of the worst, actually. I've never thought of that. Yeah, one of the seven deadly sins and one of the worst, you know. Uh, And so I think the problem is people have said, oh, we've gone to this place where it's like, when you're a quitter, never say I'm going to give up. And they, and you got people who are clearly losing and just don't know when to quit. And then you got people who are like, I feel like I'm a victim, but I'm going to be proud of myself. I'm so proud of myself. And then they go overboard and they're just running off about being proud of themselves. But they haven't gotten their internal house in order. They don't, they shouldn't need to lean on this sense of pride of something that they're born with. I don't, you know, or, our organization doesn't believe in uh, any sort of superiority for that matter. So, you know, white pride, black pride, straight pride, gay pride. I mean, you do it on one end, but you don't do it on the other because you would see how, you know, hypocritical that would be all the way up. And so there is a very biased way of like, where's the straight pride? You know, if we had straight pride, all of a sudden it would be a hate crime. Yeah. But you can be gay and you can go walk around naked with ding dong flying around in front of the kids and you're living your truth yeah yeah Uh, and that i think it shows from a top down how one side of this argument is being favored by people who have their own agenda you know they're people who don't have a dog in the fight they only want to see something coming about through the ideology attached to this particular cause and uh it's very sinister um i'm glad you just used that word sinister like uh I get that vibe too. And sometimes it's very easy to go down like dark conspiracy rabbit holes of like, you know, they're mutilating children to try to depopulate the earth and stuff. But even if it's not that sinister, it still is like dark what's happening. And regardless of whether they want it to be, the effects are going to last for generations. And I don't think anybody's looking at this big picture of what grandma 50 years is going to do when she was actually born a male. And do we like the, if there's just all these conversations that aren't really being asked about conveniently. Yeah, why is Grandpa being buried with that dog mascot? Well, <laughs> it's a very special part of his life, you see. Yeah, it's absolutely 2024 was a weird year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think about like 
the rap culture. You think about the craziness that kids are involved in, like Eminem. Yeah. What is he going to look like when he's yeah. 70, 80 years old? And what are all these trans activists and people who are in between, who, you know, never fully get anywhere when they get old? So in a few, you know, a few decades, we're going to have some very interesting, you know, generations walking around, assuming we're all yeah. still walking around. Well, well, yeah, and this is the weird thing. I like with trans people, like we are going to get to a spot where technology will catch up, where you can actually become the opposite thing, or you can actually become a crazy furry person, or whatever. Like technology, maybe in fifty years we'll get to that spot. Who knows how long? But it's this weird argument where eventually the trans people will win this. Unfortunately, I feel like because that's just the way uh, it's going with technology well yeah we have this transhumanist agenda uh, as part of the fourth industrial revolution that's being implemented to ensure that they eventually get those high quality converts i'm sure you know they're they're working they're trying to perfect all kinds of weird things whether you're putting you know a human ear on the back you know doing animal testing with people or doing weird swapping out organs and yeah you know uh and so it's uh, it's going down a crazy path. So I feel like the trans movement popped off. I don't even know, like, well, I feel like three or four years ago, but maybe COVID has convoluted all of that. And it just kind of, but I feel like the conversation, like they popped off and then the conversation around grooming really came to light. Now in church, I was told that you let a little bit of, you know, the perversion and then you, you accept somebody's being gay. And then all of a sudden they're trying to, you know, rape the kids and I back in the day even like two years ago was like whoa 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 like slow your roll it's not that bad like chill out but then all of a sudden it's starting to happen do you feel like the the trans movement and the grooming thing is correlated yeah unfortunately this is part of a slippery slope that same famous slippery slope we were warned about so long ago and I remember thinking about it and wondering and kind of looking down the lines of, you know, the development of, you know, sexual perversion, really anything, anything other than the man who went, okay, so we've gone off track there. You know, how, how far off track do we go or can we go? I mean, there's so many people. So uh, I do think, uh, and I, sh I should have my facts right in this. And Dr. Kenzie, I believe his name is, who um, is uh, one of the people who is responsible for doing and bringing forward uh, this trans ideology. And uh, there is the connection with pedophilia uh, there and this defense of it kind of at the root of this queer theory. So whenever we're talking about it, you ultimately, whether you realize it or not, you're gonna end up justifying later on that kind of thing. So there's people who are, already been prolific pedophiles but now they're getting to cover themselves under the name of map minor attracted person name it you can claim it and then they're going to jump on the bandwagon they're going to jump on the the veil of the t of the t people who are standing on the veil of the of the gay people and they're all just going to drag this big old train down the runway here i don't know i'm using a wedding analogy but um <laughs> so <laughs> So there is kind of this connection. I mean, like I said, the crux of it is as an individual person, people, you know, you can't help a lot of things. You can't help maybe how you feel, but you can do something. Uh, you can steer it in a certain way. You can manage it in a certain way, you know, be angry, but, you know, don't sin, for instance, you know. So but at the same time, when you start talking about like identifying as this that or the other this is like these are ego issues that are really tied to self-identity i think education matters because until somebody tells you you can be the opposite gender or that you are this gender and you know and all the stuff you don't have any of these inclinations yeah. until this started to be popularized in the school people weren't talking about it so it's like a it's a social contagion it's being cultivated in the schools and it's creating a situation where it would not exist otherwise. Yeah. Okay, so I Googled the definition of grooming, and it's the action by a pedophile of preparing a child for a meeting via an internet chat room um, with the intention of commit, oh, of a meeting, especially via an internet chat room 
with the intention of committing a sexual offense. But according to all the drag queens, according to all the whatever trans people, all they're doing is reading innocent books to kids. So what's so wrong about that? Like in theory, right? So what are the common misconceptions about grooming it, or about the, the the story hour and the link to grooming that you want to address or clarify? The thing I would say is if we look at the word grooming, we could say Donald Trump is grooming Barron, his son, to take over his company. Okay. Somebody can groom somebody to take over. We can groom our hair. We can do, you know, grooming. Um, we can groom our dog. Usually the first thing people say, what's wrong with grooming my dog? It's not that grooming. <laughs> so just that way, just the way you can prepare somebody for something else, you can prepare yourself for something. When we're talking about grooming, we may not mean like you're explicitly grooming this person so you can put, you know, hands-on molestation next step. But what you're doing is you are grooming them or preparing them for any any of this weirdness that's within this queer uh, this queer theory, including telling them that yes, you can and you should be exploring your sexuality at this age. You can and should be experiencing it with an adult. You can and should be considering sw swapping it out and trying these moves. You should be uh, considering uh, maybe transitioning if you think you're you know the opposite gender. You can we ha have a path for you now. So all of those indoctrinative. Uh, aspects are part of a grooming process. So granted, you can groom for success, you can groom for your hair, but you can also groom a kid to become perverted, not just to be molested, but sexualizing them, period. You can groom a kid to become sexualized. And in that way, yeah, they will be susceptible to uh, sexual encounters. They are going to become it's like standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, it's like you, you grow up <clears throat> like I did, you know, most of the world wasn't gay crazy at that time. So, you know, I'm slowly trying to like find myself in a world the way it was, but now you're being born into a world that's saying we're already having a big gay party all the time. Everybody's in on it. So, um, you know, how do you want to enter into the show and kids are going to be coming onto the scene their first sexual orientation is i'm a bear or or you know that's not sexual orientation type of gay but i'm a i'm a pup or whatever you know i'm i self-identify as a coffee table you know and it's just like if you're starting there how how crazy is it going to be by the time they're 25 and 30 size absolutely and i mean i i mean i feel like i wasn't a kid that long ago and all i wanted to do was feel like i'm part of a group and feel like i'm accepted and feel like I'm, I matter. And it seems to be the only way to, like, if you're straight, you're weird. If you're straight, you're not inclusive. If you're straight, like, and it's this weird dynamic where now if you're straight, you can't be confident about that because you're not gay and because you're, you don't identify as something. And even if you're not, they're making up a whole bunch of more letters that you can just slip yourself into. You're not gay. You're an ally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody's included just as long as you get under our umbrella. Yeah. And you'll be standing next to some weird thing or another, but just get under the umbrella. Never mind, you know, what ship you're on or if it's sinking, just get under the umbrella. Yeah. I, th I think one of the things too with the, the grooming and the drag shows is, yeah, what, what scares me the most about it is you hear them say all the time, like, oh, it's okay. Like, we're safe. We're fine. Like the, the, the fake safety in it where, you know, when you go up to electric, like construction workers, you they're not trying to convince you that they're safe people. You know, it's this false sense of security that now these children might have. And it's just that one more step where when people when there are bad people out there and they're trying to intentionally do bad things to children, they find out how to do it. And now this has created a very easy gateway of, well, this is a safe and fun group that now I can just slot myself into what I have nothing to do with, really. Right. Right. And that's the thing that you're, you guys are right on, over the target because the more you normalize this, the more you put kids around this and then you get everybody all take a breath. No kids been molested in three months. They're fine. Let, you know, cuckoo the, you know, the, the bubble clown, you know, drag queen, take the kids away for a little bit. Hi Piper style. Uh, they'll be fine. Uh, 
that's the problem is we're not looking at the very like right in front of our face the ideology that's being sown and whether it's the books that are being selected look you know they're there not just to share to read you know one of the aesop fairy tales or you know like hansel and gretel they're there to read books and stories that have a theme to them and it's a theme of acceptance it's a theme of really normalizing their sexuality or somebody else's or any sexuality and all this weirdness and uh, and, and self-exploration. And so it's even more than the confusion that their presence creates. It's the words and the messages that they're sowing into the minds uh, that need to be, need to be watched. Absolutely. So, okay. So, I mean, they're in schools, they've infiltrated the schools. You, you have, kids in a room with parents who have no idea what's going on. And that's a whole discussion. But now we have parents taking their kids into restaurants for drag shows. What actually happens at these shows? Because I've talked to people and they're like, oh my God, that, and I mean, I've been to drag shows as an adult and I've, I've made a conscious effort to go. I do think that they're, they're fun. And I don't, I don't even know how I feel about all of that kind of stuff now. But I've had friends being like, oh, yeah, like, I love drag shows. Of course, I'll bring my 13-year-old daughter. And then I kind of stepped back and I was like, why, though? And she was like, well, mm-hmm. um, may- maybe, maybe not. And she kind of, like, kind of stepped back. But for those people who don't actually know what goes on on these shows, what happens? Well, what you got is you basically got an actor uh, who is going to be doing a kind of lip-syncing performance, usually. They have a, a stage or maybe they're coming down a stairwell. Maybe they use the whole restaurant as a stage in the cases of some of these drag brunches. And then they've got, uh, we've got a DJ and then you got the loudspeakers and you got the music and they've got a, a microphone active or not. And they're singing the song and they're just playing out this whole diva moment. Okay. Sounds they like are usually coming. Yeah. It sounds like a fun time. And then they come in, uh, they dress very flamboyantly, very, fabulously a lot of times you know like vegas style oftentimes it's it's very adult oriented like they might have fake boobs on but they're covering it and looking like they almost could pass for a woman a lot of times or in between at whatever rate but it is a very sexualized form of a human even if you are but the, the man woman or in between and um and that, and that sexuality carries over uh, in the behavior and the dance because this is an entertainment performance. So it does take on a burlesque sort of uh, a theme. You know, we're, we're taking dollar bills and our bra, putting it in here, and then we're putting, you know, we're putting your face in our fake boobs and we're doing, you know, we're doing the splits while we're in a thong and, you know, we're gyrating and we're humping the stage. Uh, we're taking shots and we're drinking shots and we're, you know, grinding up on people. And, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Like every kind of inappropriate thing you would see in a, um, five minutes of MTV or BET or whatever, as far as like sexual inappropriate shenanigans is going to take place in that one performance. If you yeah. watch RuPaul's Drag Race a little bit, you'll see the kind of culture and dance and what is expected because there's really not much difference at all. These same people who are going to these drag shows are watching RuPaul's Drag Race. They want to get on that show. And those performers in that show are coming to a bar near you to do their thing. So it's all, you know, there's, you get a, a good window right into it if you look at that show. And you'll yeah. see just kind of like, okay, most of these people had trouble pass. Most of these people have checkered pass. Most of these people have self-esteem issues or mental health issues. Most of these people have this that or the other going on with them which is not unlike everybody else in a certain way but very specifically the the way that the the, the damage is manifesting in a lot of cases granted there's some people i live a healthy life and i just decided to become a drag queen or whoever the exception is but for the most part we have uh we've got people who are sorted affairs sorted states of interior um health and they are the ones driving the conversation. They're the ones dictating or think they're dictating or being listened to as far as the next steps of society's development. So I think that's like the bigger red flag. It's mm. like, who are these people sponsoring the drag show? What is their history? I went and for instance, spoke at 
our uh, local Tucson, Arizona uh, school district. And I went down there. There was going to be a drag show that weekend. And they uh, and they were going to have this drag performance on school property with child performers, the, the kids from the school. And what had happened, that was their second annual. In the first annual, the person, because it has to be sponsored by a staff member, that person had to resign because she and her lesbian lover were housing a 15-year-old female student and having a sexual relation with her at their house. So when she resigned, all of a sudden the sponsor of this drag show went, and then this other person came. And so I'm, I'm there at this event. I'm really wanting to see who's sponsoring this event. And we have half the audience or, you know, because it was like a call, all trans and all drag queen performers come to the school board meeting. They're trying to take away your thing. So there's like a crowd of these people, all full gear, dressed up in every abstract, weird way. And uh, I had one individual named Piranha come up and this was publicized in some of the stories that came out after. And like, this is the thing. If you're like trans because you're transitioning into another gender, even that. Man, it's just, this is, I think, part of what's leading us down a slippery slope. Because as crazy as it gets, we kind of concede some part of it makes sense. And then it's kind of like the seed for the next thing. And as much as like, you know, the trans thing seemed crazy, you know, for some people at first who didn't understand that or didn't think that was the right way. Now, even by contrast, those people uh, can seem normal compared to a lot of people who are coming out of the woodworks from the TQIA plus side uh, who are dressing up or self-identifying as inanimate objects, subspecies, you know, things that are just abstractions. And um, and sometimes they're just dressing up in horrifying costumery and calling it, I'm trans. Like I put on a Halloween costume, I'm trans, this is me. And uh, so the scary thing is, yeah, this woman gets in my face. I didn't even request to identify herself i don't think at that point she's like i'm sponsoring it what are you gonna do what are you gonna do you know got this mask on acting all wild and crazy like i can't see you you seem insane as i would expect and uh it's just par for the course you know when you look at who is who is this so important for that they got to sponsor these events they're usually weirdos mm-hmm. almost always yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely something, some type of something there for sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I've always just kind of said that it's just. It seems to me like most of these people couldn't, like they didn't have friends in high school. They were bullied. Something happened in their like formative days, and now they are like social justice warriors trying to fix the world. And in you're right, this compassion piece, which is what initially had gotten me on that side where I was just like no like love is love let everybody do what they want who cares it's not affecting you and then it you know started affecting me and so like it's now transitioned into this whole big thing um so like what are some of the strategies that you guys use to combat all of this in a climate that I mean yeah I'll give you some some history on me I through this podcast had said that men are men and women are women And, you know, even though according to medicine, I'm right, um, I lost my job for being a transport. So in a climate where this is like actively happening and actively like affecting people, how do you manage that? And how do you what would you tell somebody like me in that situation? I think the first thing is, I'm very sorry that that happened to you. I definitely feel like that's a form of discrimination when somebody can't speak the truth anymore without being uh, ostracized for it. Uh, That just goes to show you how far down the pipes we are. I mean, society has been asleep for a long time. You know, to get to this place where all the the leadership in all these places feels like they're doing the right thing, there has been something happening while we are sleeping, filling in all these spots, I think. Um, what I would tell you in that particular situation and other people who were in the situation is first things first, like if you've got to stand up for the truth in your own life, it's always worth it. I've lost jobs over different ideologies and all kinds of things have happened to me because of a belief that I would not let go of because I wanted to hold it because I wanted to be true to myself. So uh, with that said, um, usually it's going to lead you into a better path. Like if you have to deny the truth in order to be 
who you are or to be in your current circumstance, it's probably not going to be the most fulfilling way for you to go. So you should probably get in alignment with your inner, your inner feelings on that. Uh, the main thing I would say is that, you know, if, you know, I don't know much about the, the legal recourse that people have. Uh, I know that some people do take legal recourse in those situations. I think the most important thing to do if you decide to, let's say, you get out of that situation because you're forced out of it, you move into spaces where you are more likely to be around like-minded individuals, you know, like you don't want to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Uh, and that's going to be a problem. It's going to happen all over again if you just go to anywhere to work. So um, with that said, uh, I will also uh, encourage everybody to continue to educate themselves. You know, when they watch content from Gays Against Groomers on uh, Twitter or, or Mom Army or any of the countless other coalitions who are standing up to protect children from perversions that are being uh, pushed into the school, uh, they are becoming informed in a way that, uh, and becoming confident in a way that only knowledge can uh, provide a person. And so there's there's no shortcut from, you know, you, as long as you know men are men and women are women, I'd say keep, keep educating yourself because this is kind of a, a moving target because I keep moving the issue around. And so it's good to know, okay, what's the prevailing argument of the day? Um, aside of being able to speak on the matter through the education, standing up for the truth and dealing with the consequences because that's what life calls for in all kinds of ways and times. Um, and uh, being involved with like-minded people. Uh, I also, furthermore, I would encourage people to join coalitions. Either you could join as an ally with Gays Against Groomers or as a mom, you could join with Mom Army or any number of coalitions which are coming up uh, that are fighting this in their own way. So just pick up a plow in front of you. If you think you're a weird minority or something and you don't fit in anywhere, start a new coalition, build it and they will come, you know, you're the first, you know, whatever of this type, just whatever you can do, just get in, get in this battle to protect children. I don't even have kids and I'm doing this because it's just so traumatizing to think what would have happened to me if I would have been exposed to this education by these people who are already gay, who should be looking at for my best interests, they would ironically be the ones to take me down the wrong path. And uh, it's, again, because there's just no moral compass, you know, they had to throw the moral compass out, right? Because everybody's truth is everybody's truth. If you yeah. have a moral compass, then all of a sudden somebody's got to be wrong. So given so, that you don't have kids and are you planning on having kids? I'm not. I am actually planning on running actually even for my local school board, though. Oh, we'll double down on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I consider, yeah, what if... What if I had kids? What if I had surrogates? What if I did the stat? Look, the world is in a dangerous place right now. And I yeah. know as much as anybody that I got, a, I got my nephew who's like three years old and I got a couple of nieces who are like 17, 18 years old now. And, um, and this is just like a terrible time to be born into as far as being surrounded by confusing propaganda. Yeah. So I don't plan on having a kid for that reason. And also it will free me up because once you have a kid, you don't have free time. It'll free yeah. me up to do uh, this sort of activity. And I just consider, all, you know, all children are all of our children in a certain sense. I don't mean that in the government sense, like your kids are our kids. But I mean it in the sense, like, it truly does take a village to raise a child. And you know, just like society matters. Yeah, society. And just like a few kind of weirdo activists have created the problem we're in, that probably many of them don't have kids themselves. So everybody has to have a vested interest in the future of society when yeah. things like this are happening. So given that you don't have kids, anything like that, was there like a moment or a situation or something happened that we were like, no, I'm changing my job. I'm getting into gays against groomers. I'm, this is what I want to be doing full time. Uh, so it was like in November, October of, or of last year, actually, um, when I first, you know, the organization is just over a year old now. So I had been seeing them online periodically. And then uh, a couple months after the uh, Gays Against Groomers started, 
I'm just watching these videos and I see this, I go to their website and then, you know, get involved and I'm going down this path. And for me, it's a very magnetic thing to do. That is kind of like a calling in a sense. I feel magnetically, you know, you do this step. Well, that's logical. You do that. Oh, kids are being, you know, indoctrinated. Well, you got to stop it. You know, it's just like, there's no question. Do I want to do this or not? It's like, I have to do it. So um, I kind of, I kind of do let life um, unfold for me and like show me the next step. And when you see something like this going on, it's kind of self-evident that unless you got something more important going on, that's where you need to be right now. Good for you. Um, is there any like resources or support systems available for, I mean, like you victims in this, parents who are, are dealing with kids coming home saying that they're trigendered or whatever they come up with like are there any resources that you can recommend to parents or kids that are struggling with their identity yeah so the the main thing is right now gays against groomers is and there there are some and there's actually a website i need to look up here because it's a it's a good resource for things like this but gays against groomers is actually forming a whole uh division on just resources because we get this question a lot uh, parents wanting to know what can I do, what's the next step, etc. And so we have our team of writers and uh, and content creators creating a, a, a research uh, a resource portal, um, so that way people can kind of search through their unique situation. So that is going to be uh, coming out very shortly, probably within the next, I think maybe month or so. I would guess. Um, I think the first, yeah. So I think the first thing is that. Uh, if a person is going through this, they should really consider, if they really care, and they really want to get to the crux of the matter, they should look at when the school board meetings are happening. Because you can go and you can talk to your kid, you can send letters, you can go and talk to the teacher, you can go and talk to the principal, you can go online and but the decision making is happening within that little network or community of school board people and parents who you'll find there who are like minded. So I think that's the that's the main thing is a lot of people don't know that you're a concerned parent. Guess what? There's a, already a crew of concerned parents going to the school board every week. They'd love to see you there and then have you, you know, join them. You know, yeah. they'll fill you in on everything. You can gripe about what's going on and they'll say, I know. And we're, yeah. we're, we got a plan. Amazing. And then kind of the last question that I think I have is. Is there like a one-stop shop for something that you can say to somebody that's not going to explode the conversation, that's not going to, but to just kind of bring light where if they come at me being like, I'm a trans, I don't know, panda, and I identify this. So is there something that I can say that's not combative, that's still understanding and compassionate, but doesn't, doesn't, you know, give anything into it? doesn't justify it. The short answer is most of the time, no. <laughs> you gotta remember, you got people who are really in the business of being offended. Yeah. They, you got people who say, oh, I, I love to see straight people being confused when I change my pronouns. You know, so I say that's a short answer. Uh, and most of the time, because a lot of times the people who are giving us these problems are of that mindset that they want to keep things complicated. They want to keep you invalidated. They want you to remain confused or to think you're confused. And to feel like you can't get a grip on the situation. It's evolving. That's a mental illness driving the evolution of this conversation. You can't keep up with it by its very nature, unless you're like twice as mentally ill as everybody else and ahead of the curve. So with that said, yes. On the other hand, there's tons of great things you could say that will be able to bridge that gap. I think the number one thing is just to remember to have compassion. You know, I that could be me thinking I'm a panda over there, you know. Uh, sure. And how can I talk to this person from the place of love on the most basic level? Let's say you were born a vegetable or you went through, you were a, a fire burn victim and all we have here is a head in a jar. You know, we don't have to have a lot to love you as a human being, you know? Right. So even if you're dressed up, even if you have a mental illness, even if you have some sort of disability and you know, we can still love you and value you the same as we value ourselves and everybody else. And when you talk from that place, you can usually summon up more compassionate, tactful terminology in the moment to try to express what usually can't be expressed 
in a shouting match or in a, a one-two back and forth. Yeah. Because loving language comes from that feeling of compassion. Um, I think, then, too, tr- truth always comes out one way or another. So you want to just make sure that you're still in everyone's good book. So when they're ready, you know, when the truth hits them, because it will hit everyone, that you're still there in their good book to come. Come here. I still love you, buddy. Exactly. And the other side of that, I would say, is uh, it's probably just as important to note not to compromise your beliefs. You know, just like you want to hold the truth and be good so that when they wake up, they come to you and know that you're uh, a kindly truth holder. You don't want to degrade the truth in order to make them feel better because, you know, truth above love, you know, love without truth is not really love. And so in that context, though, you know, (laughs) there's just a whole lot of noting what the personal struggle is. I know that. You know, like if if you were going to be like the trans panda person, okay, and I'm at a protest and they come up to me and say, why do you hate trans people? I say, we don't hate trans people. We love all people. We want people to be happy and healthy and free to do whatever they want. Our primary concern, though, is kids who don't if they don't get a firm, healthy, sound, stable foundation and the way things are, they're going to be identifying as all kinds of things. Yes. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, what if they want to be a, a coffee table? Well, you know, that is actually, it's all rooted in mental illness. And, and I, I tell them right to their face, you know, and it's fine. A lot of us have different mental illnesses. Maybe you got whatever, but it, it it's not mentally healthy. So maybe it's a solution for you. But if we start offering that up to everybody, kids who don't have mental health problems are going to develop them. They're going to catch it from watching somebody else get it. So kind of like for me, a conversational dialogue between the other person, maintaining compassion, maintaining respect, maintaining tactfulness, if they allow for all that is the ideal way to confront it. If they're not shouting you down, if they're not stoning you, et cetera. But um, I don't think, um, I don't, think that people in in our organization as as a whole doesn't stand for succumbing to pressure, succumbing to name calling. You know, you're going to stand up for these things and there's going to be people who don't want to understand your perspective unless it leads to the conclusion, trans panda is right for me or whatever the situation is. Right. So, um, yeah, you just got to be mindful of that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I'm glad that you had said mental illness. I remember when I was fighting tooth and nail with him and his best friend, actually. And he was like, well, it's a mental illness. And just that word got me. And I was like, I was triggered. I was like, you can't say that about somebody. And well, and I, and and I wasn't I, saying it to be mean. No, he no. broke it all down for me. And he was like, listen, if you're born this way, and then you start seeing things like if I all of a sudden said that there was a monkey beside you, you would say I'm crazy, right? It's like, well, yeah, because there isn't. It's like, you know, like if if your genitalia doesn't define or determine your gender, then changing it shouldn't affirm it. But somehow we've right. gotten on this this crazy journey where it just it it just doesn't make sense. And and we now the sane, not mentally ill people are sitting here being completely gaslit and like we're told that we're crazy and it's so it's so confusing oh in in my experience i love throwing around the term mental illness because at this point in a lot of in a lot of instances you only have a very short amount of time to talk and it's very important that you get right to the point and more and even more than that it's important that you get past all of one's personal opinions and right to like the crux of the facts of the matter because a lot of people everybody's got an opinion, you know, they like, what evidence you have or what lot, you know, what scientific thinking do you have for that? And when you just throw out right away, it is a mental illness. And if you don't like the way it sounds as to me, it's a little bit more of a reflection of, of the individual's um, hangups, because yeah. the fact is, if, um, if we've called it a mental illness and maybe you don't think it is or whatever the thing is, we are, we have already classified it on the basis of all humanity. It's in terms of like normalcy and what's aberrative, what's an aberration by comparison. So for the rest of society, we need a stable datum. We need a common denominator. We need, 
we need, you know, to know, okay, what does normal look like? One day we may not ever see a normal person again because they've all been diluted with weird ideologies and propaganda. So when we're talking to people about this, there's one thing that they can't dispute. And a lot of trans people will openly, outwardly be forefront with you and say, I'm mentally sick. You'll watch a lot of views, uh, videos on TikTok and they'll say, you know, I have this and that mental illness and this depression and this, that, and that. And I'm a trans, you know, demigod, dragon god and this, that. And then it's like, yeah, all that makes sense. Yeah. And it's so tied to mental illness. Yeah. So we don't glorify the mental illness. We don't, you know, tell you your mental illness is valid so your feelings don't get hurt. And we don't let them teach our children. Yeah. It, yeah, at the very least. That should be filtered through some kind of common sense measure. And it doesn't seem like... Uh, anybody but social justice warriors are, you know, at the uh, are the gatekeepers nowadays to a lot of places, including yeah. schools, where they yeah. want to hire only trans activist types. Yeah, which kind of makes me sad because, like, I mean, you see, like, we all know that this is a very, very small minority of people who are doing this, but somehow they're the loudest, and it kind of makes me sad. I mean, I'm glad that these mom groups are stepping up. I'm glad that you guys have stepped up. I'm glad that all these people are starting to to say something. It's it, I mean, you go after the kids and that's the last straw kind of thing. And I mean, I guess that's what it took, but it's crazy how quiet normalcy is against this. Yeah, I think as we just become afraid and just like the small population has been bursting onto the scene, thanks to the platform that's been given to them by all the media people saying, oh, let's take this percent of a percent, whether they think that there's 8% LGBTQIA plus identifying or percent of a percent who are actually trans or what, let's let them drive the, the narrative for everybody else. And, um, and we don't identify with it. We don't know what's going on. And so when you let that happen, you're going to like cultivate it. You're going to proliferate it. Now it's just going to start growing. Yeah. yeah. I think I got one final question. We didn't write this down, but it kind of came to me. So, you know, obviously you're against grooming. What do we think about the Catholic church and the amount of pedophiles that get caught up in Not there? Not just Catholic church. What do we think about churches and the religious organizations that have so much grooming? Like, uh, like as a gay person, like you're already in the LGBTQ community where it's like, yeah, you can stand up in that and try to like do you kind of not turn a blind eye to the church, but just like, you know, you're dealing with this problem. You can't focus on that problem. How, how does that kind of. Well, I will say that even though it is, it is just like that and that we are focused on this and we're not focused on all the other ways that children are being sexually groomed by adults because it's sure. happening in all different kinds of ways. So we're very specialized in that way. But in terms of, you know, how we feel about it generally in churches and anywhere else is as disgusting and as abhorrent as, as anywhere, yeah. gays included. A lot of times you have priests who are themselves gays or closeted gays. And, you know, some say, oh, like Vatican, uh, the Catholic Church is full of gay priests. And, it's, and so it's almost like there is like this perverted gay sex culture happening even within the church. And that's yeah. something we could speak to for sure. And, uh, and that's, that's, I mean, what could be worse than grooming and molesting children in the name of God? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's like, I, I think like the big activity. thing is like, it doesn't matter what community, where you go, you're going to find people and you really got to like, like you said, vet those people that are throwing the organizations or vet the, the pastor before you leave your child alone with them. Like, we, there needs to be a little more diligence and, and care with who's actually being left with these kids. Yeah, you know what? And I think that's a very important point because at the end of the day, it's the parents dropping them off at school. I know that most people don't have the other options, but it's still the parents dropping the kids off at school. And I feel like to some degree, there needs to be some accountability on the parent's side of where you're putting your children and who they're hanging out with and like all of that kind of stuff. Do you Do you have any thoughts on that? Or any recommendations to parents? Yeah, I completely agree with your recommendation there that we don't so casually hand them over to just anybody. Um, nowadays, there are so many ways to research a person. You could do some background check to find out if they got a history. You can do social media check. You can look at references. And now more than ever, especially if you get red flags, so if there's anything weird or kooky about the person, you should yeah. probably, you, you should look into it. Um there is a responsibility to parents 
because the government has not made drag shows burlesque like like you can't take kids to do a burlesque show okay where they're doing all the sexual weirdness you know however much clothes they're not there you can't take them yeah. you can take a kid to go see the exact same things being portrayed by somebody who it's not which is almost in a way almost kind of worse because it's yeah. even more screwed up um and so in that way the parents have such a huge responsibility like go to the school board if you got to homeschool your kids if i was a parent honestly i would i only would homeschool my kid um but not everybody has that option um, but definitely don't allow them to hang out with kids or other parents who think this is okay. Don't let your kids attend pride events. Don't let your kids go to drag queen story hour, drag show, or any sort of student-led LGBTQIA plus these gay events. You know, like you said earlier, homosexuality, sexuality. Yeah. It's in the name. This is all about a sexual orientation, transsexuality. You know, and they say, oh, it's not sex, it's a gender. Well, you know, the case changes depending on who you ask and what they're talking about. But it is all about sexuality. And if the kids are supposed to be insulated from that until they are adults or of age of majority, uh, or they're entering into marriage, you know, and, you know, and whatever, you know, context in a meaningful, legitimate, that's totally different. But um, kids, already have enough coming at them with porn flying over their phone with every show that they could possibly watch. I mean, I see sometimes like the questionable stuff on SpongeBob. Yeah. Like, that's for safe for seven year olds. And he's like waving his butt. There's this one. So he's like, Texas, Texas. He's doing this whole thing. And it's yeah. like, okay, I get it. You want to put funny stuff for the adults. But you know, when you start compromising in all these like movies, like Disney movies and everywhere, you're seeing adult induendo slid into kid content. So the adult can have fun too. What yeah. you're doing is you're subconsciously sewing that into the kids' minds. Yeah. And they don't have to understand it now for it to take root and for it to grow later. I've yeah. heard many weird things I didn't understand. And I've said them out loud later and got so bad in trouble. And I've just been thinking about it because I heard somebody <laughs> say it. And I didn't know it was bad. Yeah, and absolutely. So, Young minds, they're very susceptible to everything. They they pick their sponges. Everybody says they're sponges and they will pick it up. That's right. So, wow. I, yeah, I think it's wonderful what you guys are doing and uh, and all of this sort of thing. I think my message to the world right now, based on everybody that I've been talking to, especially straight people who are in this battle, is stop, stop with the fear of stepping on toes. I personally have just gotten over and our organization has really gotten over the hurt feelings of what amounts to groomers, mm -hmm. people who get butt hurt because they can't do these things that we've always known were inappropriate. I, their feelings, unfortunately, yeah, don't just don't matter as much as the fact of the matter. Yeah. Yeah. And You're so, I don't care about your feelings. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the thing. People think that we're talking about, uh, all gays are sexual pedophiles, which absolutely make no sense because then we'd be calling ourselves pedophiles because we're gays. <laughs> of yeah. course, there are people who there are conspiracy theories that say gays are made up out of conservative straight white people are trying to do this, which is couldn't be anything further from the truth because um, we don't have any straight people except as allies. You know, there's nobody on board. Um, so uh, we need to. Uh, we need to stop being afraid of hurting people's feelings when it comes to telling the truth, because yeah. that is what's kept us silence is being politically correct yeah. is, and it's for stupidity. It's for people who were mentally unwell and doing bad things to begin with. And we're worried about stepping on their toes. It's like the parents have given over the keys to the kingdom, to the kids, you know, the kids tell us what's important, what's good. We're afraid of the kids. The kids are running the show. You know, they don't, you know, the kid wants to be transgender. Don't tell them no, or they're going to take them away. It's in yeah. California now. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, I really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of this with us. I think what you're doing is incredible, and the kids are very, very lucky, very lucky to have you. Thank you so much. You guys keep doing what you're doing. Thank yeah, you. The more of us that speak out, the, the louder we'll be. So, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said earlier, like this, there, there is a silent majority on this case. Most yeah. gay people I know, issue by issue, are like, well, that's bad. That's not good. 
I, I just went to, uh, I was just in California this weekend with a friend who's actually uh, on the other side, okay, of, of the issue and actually has contributed to the Trevor Project and this and that and is an actively act, doing activism for the other side. So yeah. my relationship with this person has been kind of strained because like we can't talk too much about anything before I'm like Trevor Project is a gateway to perversion and yet <laughs> that's his pathway to heaven because he's going to save trans kids and be a good person through that. And uh, but when we sit down and we have all of our conversations, the last thing that he said to me is, you know what, we might seem like right on the surface, like very diametrically opposed in every way ideologically, but I don't think we're really different at all. It's like, I agree with almost everything you say. And so we just got different beliefs at the end about where things should go or what things, uh, you know, should, should be called. But at the end of the day, most people understand that what's happening right now is inappropriate, gross, and destructive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have social media or if somebody wants to get a hold of you, is there an email that they can send um, things to? Yes. So uh, me personally, you could message me, Robert, at gazeagainstgroomers.com. Uh, you can contact Gays Against Groomers in general, no matter where you're at in the world or what state you're in. We have uh, chapters. I'm the Arizona uh, chapter co-lead. I have another co-lead here. Uh, but we have a lot of states. Uh, so depending where you're coming from, go to gaysagainstgroomers.com. You can click join. You can look at all the stuff there and um, go to our social media. We are on Twitter where we're posting mountains of evidence. You've got people who are saying this isn't happening. You go to our Twitter and then it's against groomers. Against is spelled different. So do a search for Gays Against Groomers. And then I run the Gays Against Groomers Arizona chapter, Twitter and Instagram pages. Amazing. So, cool. Amazing. Thank sure. you so, so, so much, Robert. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See you all later. later.